Hey guys, welcome to Drunk InfoSec, episode number two. We got Ryan, Tony, Henry, Alex, and Chris. On today's episode, we're going to talk about pen testing versus red team. Normally, uh, in this group, we get off topic on this quite a bit, so we're going to try not to derail this time. Uh, next, we're going to talk about the Collegiate Cyber Defense Competition, or the CCDC. And we also do one of those locally here uh, in South Carolina called the PCDC, which is the Palmetto Cyber Defense Competition. Uh, next, we're going to talk about password managers to use or not to use. And finally, we're going to talk about the recent Pwn to Own competition that went on. So let's start this thing off by uh, just having a conversation about the differences between what red teaming is and what pen testing is. Uh, what are you guys' thoughts on this? This has been a conversation that's been brought up a couple of times. So, I mean, we've we've run down pen testing and red teaming a few times. I mean, I've run into a lot of customers that, you know, they, they come to me and they're asking for red teaming, but in reality, they just want pen testing. There's no real standard there. I mean, they, I mean, but what basic concepts, what's the difference? I mean, I'm not trying to make it Crayola or anything like that, but what I do want to know is well, what you think the difference is between just a, a, a normal pen test versus, you know, like a port scan that you're going to do for somebody or a red team. I mean, what's, what's the levels there? Where's the line? Well, I guess isn't, isn't that the problem with it? There's there's no standard, really. I mean, any of us can do anything. I thought there were standards. I thought that people had uh, put together. Oh, there's there's standards, what, P-tests? Yeah, there's, there's pen test standards, but there's no standard for red teaming. Well, what is red teaming? I Hit can claim that. red teaming. Anybody can claim red teaming. But what is it? It's well, again, it depends. This is why no one knows what red teaming is, because it doesn't really exist. So I think red teaming is going to involve uh, a longer period of time than pen testing. Because pen testing is usually going to be a shorter engagement, whereas red teaming is going to be a longer engagement. Would you call it a persistent threat? So Potentially, I, maybe they would be advanced. Could be. Well, I, no. So I, I, pen testing, you go in, you... You, you do your, you look at your vulnerabilities, you test your vulnerabilities, do they work, yes or no? You get a result. For a red team, you go in and you're actually simulating some sort of adversary. Am I a script kitty? Am I anonymous? Am I an APT? Whatever your threat vector for that company is, I mean, maybe maybe it's just another, um, you know, business or some sort of espionage. I mean, I don't know what the threat vector is for that company. but. Whatever it is, that's what you're simulating. Okay. At that so, point I mean, I think a lot of people, myself included before, you know, we had a conversation about it, was that it just added a physical penetration test to it as well. Like, I'm going to try to break into your building, red teaming, you know? Because when you look at a lot of the classes that have red teaming in it, you'll see, like, well, I'm going to break into your building. I'm going to pretend like I'm somebody. I'm going to social engineer you some kind of way. And so I kind of got that mentality of that's all it was, you know? So if it's scenario-based, like, hey... If I'm, you know, your worst enemy and I want to get in, that, that doesn't always mean physical penetration. That... <laughs> <laughs> and he lost his train of thought. No, there it went. Right out think, the door. To me, red teaming has got a, uh, a period of we're going to be working on, on uh, red teaming your site or whatever for this amount of time. And we're starting now. More than likely, you won't see anything. It could in include uh, physical penetration. Um, it could not be that. I mean, it, it's really kind of up in the air. 
So it's what, but it's based off of your assessment of what that would be, or your customer's assessment of what their that scenario would be, right? Yeah, I mean, so it's a little bit of both. So usually, at least myself, when I go into a red team engagement, I sit down and I engage with the customer and I discuss, hey, what are your biggest fears? What are your biggest pieces of data that somebody could get that would destroy your company? So that's an interesting. Let's, yeah, yeah, I like that because when I go in as a blue team guy, so I go in and I try to help people with, you know, whether that's their sock or you know, going in for an actual incident. Like, what is what's important about your company? And exactly. As far as like security people go, and most companies that I've been to, they don't even really know what's important to them. They have some kind of concept to it, but they don't know what their servers are associated with it, or even. Even worse, sometimes it's just they don't know at all what would be the worst thing that could happen. They're just, you know, looking at alerts that pass by from some device that they have. Yeah, there's a lot of companies that, that have no idea what their what their sensitive pieces of data are or, or what, you know, what they're supposed to be looking for. And sometimes you got to help them and kind of massage the conversation to help to, to make sure that they're, they're on the right track. But at the end of the day, you can figure out, okay, this piece of data, this piece of data, and this piece of data, if those got out... This company would no longer exist tomorrow. Okay. So those are the things you want to go after as a red team, and you want to go at them in such a way where you don't have restrictions. So scoping wise, as far as you know, pen test versus a red team. So that's team. the funny. That's sorry to cut you off. That's the funny thing though. There is no scoping during a red team. Well, there well, shouldn't. So let me, let me, you have a you have a, a you goal. Boundaries. You got a goal, right? And you have boundaries around that goal. Why 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 are you going to restrict a red team? Well, some people right. will have a scope. I mean, that's the whole point of having a scope. So you you, you, you have get, a goal, right? But, but why? that goal is derived from your scope. You you have a boundary that you need to play in, and I, if and, I don't, and then you have a well, you, it depends. Well, red teams are supposed right. to be emulating an adversary, and an adversary is not going to have these bounds and these rules. They're going to do whatever. Exactly. Now, I, I can see, you know, as a red team, are not going in there and just dosing everything. That I mean, that's not very good. But a bad guy would do it. Right. You'd have no problem doing it. Right. But as you know, I guess if you're if you're part of a red team and you are doing an engagement, I would assume that there have been agreements ahead of time before you've done this engagement as to what needs to be done. So I need you to check this boundary in my network. I need you to check this. You have your that even okay. though it, it's still it's still yeah, parameters so that, that you still have like to operate in, right? So, so, so I get I get where you're going, and I, I, I personally don't consider that scope. I more consider that a, as a as a framing question, and that's kind of what I what I was talking about earlier, where I discussed with it, with the customer at the beginning of what are your sensitive pieces of data, and what what things should I be going after? And I don't I don't really consider that scope because if I need to hack eight systems to get to that piece of data, I shouldn't consider those eight systems out of scope because I need to be able to hack those to get to where I need to be to get that piece of data, right? right. And so I, when, when I go into a red team engagement, I, I attempt to, and, and sometimes this happens and sometimes it doesn't, I attempt to, to try to get the customer to tell me, you have free reign, you can do whatever you want. Sometimes they say, hey, you know, you need to stay away from the XYZ systems and you know, it, it happens. So that would be scope. It would, and, and I, I'm not saying scope doesn't happen. It right. does, but I, I we try to eliminate it as much as possible from a red team engagement because an adversary doesn't 
care. It keeps it true to form. Exactly. Right. They don't. Yeah. You you want your red team to come in and do exactly what an adversary is doing. So so how many times has, or how many times have you, in this in this profession, have gone to a customer and they just said, you know what, have at it. Have they done that? Have More times than not, I would I would say eighty percent of the time when you do a red team engagement, once you once you kind of make sure and talk to the customer and make them understand what exactly you're doing, they're really open to it. Okay. Once they fully understand the concept of red teaming, that's that's the really hard part. You have to make sure the customer understands but how what red teaming is. It, how many times does it go the other way around, right? So they order a red team and then they all they really want is a pen test. Which well, that, that happens a lot I, too. Which what I understand right now is just hey I want to have a vulnerability scan run against you know all of the things that I give you a list for. That's and not a pen test. That's so that's, that's another thing that I want to kind of I, clear up. Well, let's well, not get talking, into that. We're talking about pen test versus red team, and I don't understand exactly what a red team or pen <clears> test would you know completely qualify as. Well, it's really going to be difficult for a client to understand that because I mean all of us sitting here at this table have a similar frame of mind and similar backgrounds and knowledge in this stuff. And we can't agree on necessarily what pen testing and red teaming is. We have a general idea, but there's the, there's a lot of gray area and crossover there. So, you know, a customer who's just interested in, you know, a CFO of a company, he doesn't care. He just wants to know how much is somebody breaking in going to cost their their network. Yeah. This is why we provide those pretty colors for them. You know, that red team, the blue team, because they got to have it in that Crayola level. Or else they just they don't get it. That's why they don't understand. But that's it. that's only two colors team. though, isn't there? Twenty four colors in a pack. There's at least three. I know that much. There is. I so don't let expect me, them to know more. But so those cheap colors at Kmart. There's twenty four. I just wish there was an apricot team. That'd be kind of cool. You are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're on your own. Team. So let me ask you this. So do people do people with the with the whole thought of pen testing versus red team? Obviously, people say red team, right? Do do people normally say pen testing team? No. And the, and this is where I'm going with this, right? So just a thought. You have your red team, right? And I think this is where people get confused. You have your red team, and they automatically assume that red team does pen testing, right? So so I think that's and, and I'm not saying everybody, but I'm saying the majority of the people. Pen testing and red team, people are looking at it as Red team is the group. Pen testing is the verb. So you're trying to you're trying to differentiate between hey, is there is with pen testing and and versus red team, is it really a separate group? Like, are people do people need to think of it as a separate group, or is it really when it comes down to it, red team does pen testing? So I think that a red team coming on a red team can pen test. But a pen tester cannot necessarily red team. I want to see this Venn diagram for this bullshit. Right, but you know it, that I think that's where the mix-up is. I think I think what it is is that people are are seeing it as a pen test team. Like, who have you ever heard anybody say? Oh, you're on a pen test team. I've heard you say it. Like yeah, they just say I, red I've, team. I've heard that know? plenty of times. Really? But no, it's 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 more of a level of service, honestly. So you, you think of a think of it as like low, medium, high, right? So a red team is your high. It's it's the best of the best, and they're they're doing their thing. Your your medium is a pen test, and your low is a vulnerability scan. 
So it's three different levels. So you, could, could you could you almost take it as like a level of maturity for a company? Like, hey, you're up to being able to have a vulnerability scan done, and you're still going to find like a ton of servers that have like some vulnerability on it that haven't been patched, blah, blah, blah. But if you're, you know, you're so much mature as a company, then you can uh, bump yourself up to that next level and then that final red team, right? Where now you're just basically looking for gaps in your security architecture, right? That's exactly the way that we try to look at it. Um, I mean, even with the company that I work with, we we don't even offer red teaming for companies that aren't mature enough. If you've, if you've never had a pen test in your life, there's no reason for me to, to offer a red team to you. You're not worthy. Yeah, it's just, I mean, it's not even that you're worthy. It's just you're, you're not ready. A red team's going to come in, destroy you, and the recommendations that we're going to offer are not going to make sense for you when your recommendations should be you should not allow Meterpreter to run on your network, right? Yeah. You should patch. On a so where, where's the line? Where's the, where's the line? I think that that is the line, right? Yeah. Just how mature you are as a company depends on what you're going to need. Um, but the line for as far as whether it's a, a pen test or a red team is that level of maturity, right? Yeah. Can you get, Can you just run a quick vulnerability scan and get something out of it? Pen test, you know, it's looking for something that's, I guess, what would you say, like holistic over an entire uh, company? You're just looking for... You know what those crown jewels are. What, what avenues to get to? My, my normal to questions them. are: Do you run normal vulnerability scans? If if you run those on a yearly basis, like you normally should, especially for compliance purposes, if you run those and you're able to remediate those vulnerabilities and get a zero, you know, zero results, that's an awesome thing. And so then I would talk to them about: Have you had a pen test? Do you do pen tests regularly? And are you able to remediate those results before the next pen test happens? From there, I mean, you look at how big is the organization? I mean, is it is it one big company? Is there a lot of different organizations attached to it? Is there subsidiaries? Because, I mean, honestly, we could do a pen test on one of them. And, you know, one of, one of the subsidiaries may not be, you know, ready for a red team. But when you talk about a red team engagement, you need to talk about the organization as a whole because every piece of the organization is included in, into a red team scope because everything's included. And the adversary, which a red team is supposed to be emulating, doesn't care about scopes, doesn't care about you know whether it's Saturday or Sunday or Monday or during the work day. Do it when they do it because they have a goal. And yeah, looking for that path of least resistance, right? So if that's that subsidiary company, whoa. Subsidiary company that is, uh, you know, can't patch, can't do anything. Next thing you know, they have a direct line into that secured network that you have because you know that's the easiest way in. You know, we've seen that several times on IR engagements. So next, we want to talk about the collegiate cyber defense competitions and kind of what those go around. Uh, personally, I think that's a really cool thing to get the colleges involved, getting people that are that are actively interested in cybersecurity and letting them test out their skills you know these are these are great competitions for students to you know try their hand at what they what they want to do for their careers uh, you know, stopping hackers trying to keep a business running things of that nature uh, what do y'all think I think it's a great I think it's a great way to to kind of learn outside of the classroom you know sometimes being in the classroom going you know I guess by the book 
is good, but it gets it, it can get boring after a while. You know, the same repetitive stuff. But when you're in an environment where it's kind of a little bit loose, and you can talk about certain subjects, and plus if you have people there that are already on the job doing what you're trying to learn and to become, it's it's good back and forth. Um, some people learn better that way. Some people learn better OJT rather than sitting in a classroom. So it maybe it's not so much OJT, but it's enough to where they're talking to somebody that is 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 already on the job training or on the job working, and they get that feedback and that experience. So OJT means on the job training. On the job training. I think it's great because a lot of the a lot of material you're gonna learn in school is you know it's years and years behind really. You know, I dealt with this when I went through school. Is you know five to ten years behind what the current methodologies were for defense or even attack. So going into a contest like this, where you have real attackers that are doing penetration testing and doing these things on a real basis, Grand teaming. <laughs> was it physical penetration happening? Because that's different. <laughs> I think you're right, though. I think it's definitely uh, academia. Academia? Academia. Isn't that a nut? I think it is. They're it's, delicious. Uh, they're delicious. <laughs> academia in general, like, it's just kind of farther behind than, uh, you know, it, it always will be that way, right? Like, um,. You're always going to have some new exploit that comes out that, or some new tool that comes out, and they can't print a book fast enough right. somebody to get the thing on there. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it gives the kids and anybody, really, the ability to go in and talk to people that know what they're talking about, or should at least. And uh, Yeah, I know. Yeah. Well, yeah it's, it's, you know, I've watched it a couple of times, too, where people try to get involved into it too early, and you're like, oh, man, that's, uh, I get you trying to help people to out. To piggyback but. off what you're saying is, we have a hard enough time being, you know, doing it for a job. We have a hard enough time keeping up with it. You're always a step behind learning new things every day. So, yeah, I mean, imagine that, that they, you've got to have somebody constantly trying to update that stuff where somebody that's in school now is probably learning, you know, techniques and tactics. and, and, well, and It's pro- a lot more of an yeah. agile type, you yeah. know, discussion. Like, right. hey, I, I want to learn from you, like, the things you've seen, you know, and yeah. they're cool. able to sit and interface with people and then right. use those techniques in a lab environment, right? I think that's right. amazing. I mean, isn't that the whole purpose of it? It gives the students a chance to learn and it gives people like us a chance to mentor, right? Right. So we're, we're staying... like us? We're staying... We're staying on top of our game and we're helping them stay on... At hopefully at the top of their game. If you ever want to know if you know something, try to teach somebody it, right? Yeah. That's, that's, that's very true. Story. Tony's in the Sit background of one of these it. going, you're doing it wrong! In a big With funny ears. To kind of piggyback on that, that college thing, so a lot of the... the I, I help out here with the Call to Charleston uh, folks on occasion, and they have a cybersecurity, they have a cybersecurity defense club, and... Um, Blue. Do, do we have a blue. do we have a local group here that does uh, the CCDC? Uh, yeah, so we have the uh, I like the shambles plug. Uh, we have the Palmetto Cyber Defense Competition, the PCDC, and that actually is coming up in April. And so we have a group of the College of Charleston kids. They that several of the other schools that are local here get involved as well. So uh, uh, USC gets involved. Uh, Clemson has a team. 
And uh, last year, uh, my kids, I'm, I'm super proud of them. They they won it at the co- at the college level. So they do a high school level, a college level, and then a professional day. What school do you work with? Uh, the College of Charleston. Okay. And they took down first place last year. And nice. Yeah, it cool, was, man. It was pretty hilarious that normally it's Clemson and USC tied for that first and second, and Clemson gets second, and they're now they're they're getting ready to announce first, and the USC guys are starting to stand up, and they say College of Charleston, and they. <laughs> I, I think they all kind of shit themselves. It was hilarious. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> but uh, no, working with these kids and and hearing about uh, what they're learning in class and what they're going through, they a lot of it is very theoretical. They they, they talk a lot of theoretical uh, uh, practices and, and what they can do with the tools and what they can do with data sets and things like that. And they're playing with with fake data, you know, stuff that's made up. Um, and these competitions give them a, a good chance to. to to get a feel what that real world is going to be like, uh, a lot of them don't understand or know how to take that that theoretical piece and how to turn it in and, and how they would actually apply it to that real world scenario. What does that competition look like? So the way that the competition set up is they they literally have six little partition areas off, and you'll have anywhere between six and eight kids uh, that are all gathered around a table, and they all got their own laptops, and each one of the schools will have uh, each one of the schools will have their own. Uh, virtual machine environment and they're they're told uh, they provided a sheet of paper at the beginning and they have to they're they're basically a new cybersecurity company that has been hired to provide all of the security for this particular business and they have to do something I think last year was um, they were hospitals and or they they were a medical supply company and they had to deliver medical supplies to various hospitals on a uh, kind of like a Google Maps page and so they when the hospitals were in need it would flash and they needed to click on that and it would show a little like emoji uh, ambulance that would go and deliver stuff to them and they scored points off of that and then for each one of those schools there's two uh, red teamers or pen testers no well, not really pen testers <laughs> so uh, they, there's two adversaries that are assigned to each one of the schools that their entire job is to break destroy stop services take down the company do everything they can, and there's a big leaderboard in the very middle uh, that everybody can view, and it shows all of their running services. So that could be, you know, their public-facing web server. It could be their database server. There's a whole bunch of things that they have to keep up and running, and those are are, are tracked and graded for how long they keep them up. Um, I totally lost my train of thought, but yeah, how long they keep them up, uh, what's their and and how proficient they are at keeping them up. If the red team does knock them down, and if they can they can score additional points that if they detect an attack that's going on in their network if they if they they can they have the opportunity to draft up an incident response report and if they can clearly state what happened and what's going on in there they get extra points awarded for that um, and for their mediation steps so it, it's really cool we've been we've, we've been working with the with the team this year uh, quite a bit and I, I think they're excited we got a good group of kids that are I think so, going to do well so Henry let me ask you this. Have you heard from the people that participate in that, the students? Have you heard their thoughts between doing the PCDC and, and having these meetups compared to their classes? Are they getting more out of one than the other? Or is it, is it all like helping and tying in? I, I think it's really just like an overall experience. A lot of them don't get that level of detail. They don't... 
they're not having to worry about keeping a server up and running. They're they're not worried about what specific services are running on a box. And you know, even even starting out in the defense area in general, uh, a lot of the times you're 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 looking at your network and you have a million things you need to check, and you're looking for the one spot that a bad guy might come after. And you don't really know what that looks like, especially if you're a college student. Because, again, everything that you did was theoretical. You were like, how would I defend against X attack? Or how would I stop Y? This one particular thing. And they don't have to focus on everything that could be done. They're focused on the one thing that did happen. Right. And so in these competitions, it's it, a lot of the times, and a lot of them have told me that, you know, it, in that arena, it's, it's, it's a little overwhelming. Because they don't exactly know where to start or what to look at. You know, it's their first time looking at an IDS appliance and realizing the amount of rules that are put on there, which rules can be pruned, which ones can't. They're they're trying to figure that out and learn that. Things that we kind of take for granted in the field, uh, we you know, we, we live and breathe that stuff. We know get rid of old signatures that, you know, we've already been patched for and stuff like that. These kids have never been in that environment, so this is it's 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 brand new and it's it's very overwhelming. They they run through it. A lot of them are like, dude, I didn't even know where my day went. The whole day just flew by, and now we're done. Like, this is fucking crazy. So, yeah, yeah. one of the things that a book can't teach, which this does, is uh, how to work under pressure, which is, you know, real world. You have something that's down, you have to get it back up. Whereas, you know, in a book or just simulating stuff, and eh, whatever. Yeah, exactly. All right, the next topic we're going to get into is password managers. I've had a lot of customers complain to me about password managers and you know one single points of failure. <laughs> what do you guys think about that? I just put mine on a on a text doc on my desktop. Sticky note under my keyboard. Yeah. And you know so what? Us red down. teamers, we love you. I, no, wait, I, is those are only for pen testers? Because <laughs> if, if it's a red team, I don't have to worry about it. Right? Pen teamers love that. Pen teamer. <laughs> <laughs> So, I mean, password managers are a good idea uh, to an extent. Um, you know, if if I have one at home, the likelihood of me personally being targeted is going to be much lower than some adversary targeting um, something I've, that matters. I've seen your beard. There are people coming for you. The, the people that want this. But, uh, you know, I, I, if someone tries to get on to, uh, like, big Yahoo thing. And, uh, oh, you do. Yeah. Yeah. The milk? Yeah, I was thinking of the milk. I'm thirsty. Or the chocolate drink. It's not really milk. So you're CalCog compromised. Now yeah, what? And, and so, like, the one I'm, I'm actually interested in is called Dashlane. Um, and it has ability to, that it will tell you when uh, these large sites have been compromised, and then you can just very easily have it change your password, use a password generator, and it'll go and just change it. I don't have to know what this... 30 character thing is, which is fine. So you're telling me that you're going to allow some service, some cloud-based service, to have the ability to automatically change your passwords? No, they don't automatically do it. I have to tell them to do it. But they know your password. That being said, I'm not ever going to do it because I don't like that. <laughs> but I think it's a pretty cool feature. Okay. I think it's a, it's a, I think it's a cool concept, but yes. you know, it's also very scary in the it, same. This is the kind of thing that I'm going to try and get like my parents interested in, because you know their their ability to manage passwords is lacking, whereas you know, I'm a little bit more up to date on that. So basically, they just kind of have an API to like have I been hacked or not, you know, or whatever the fuck that site is, where you can you know see if your email address has been popped. 
And they just say, okay. Maybe yeah. it's a dark no, web scan. Well, I've read yeah, that, that dark stuff. <laughs> Man, can't think of this guy anywhere. He's out here. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, uh, yeah, I, I, love, I, I love the entire concept of being able to have a password manager. I mean, whether it's in an enterprise level password management uh, suite or if it's at home. I mean, nowadays you have to have something so long and, you know, if you use the same one for everything, blah, 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 you know, you're going to get popped. Somebody's going to use it everywhere. You know, I, I get that to a concept too, but, you know, saying that every service that you use has to have some large, complex, you know, password, like there's some things that you use that you know, I, I could give a shit if you pop like, you know, my... Grinder. My community password to- <laughs> passive total. My grinder account, obs. But like my community password uh, or password passive total uh, account. Like I can give a shit. Like go ahead. You know I'm gonna use some small or whatever to that. Now because I have a browser based, um, you know, password. I use one pass. If anybody else uses something else, just goes right to Google. Your Google Chrome, and I just one click, and it's there. You know, it just works. You know, I have to put one password in for that, and that's fine. Um, I think I think it's you know people like convenience, so it's convenient. It's convenient to have everything in an area. You only need to know one password, and yeah, or you do two factor so, on it too. Yeah, but there, there's still factor. some education there that you have to you have to teach. I mean, like like Alex was talking Is it about. Free's not education. <laughs> I was talking about education, but okay. <laughs> Uh, like Alex, Alex was talking about, when you when you go to talk to your mom or your dad, your the older computer crowd, there, there's some education that you have to get into place with password managers. It's it's still still a little bit of a uh, a pain, I guess. What about when your browser asks you to just save your password? Pen teamers love that too. Shouldn't I mean I mean there's some some security behind that too, but I mean like so if if it's for your parents, right? Right. And they're just logging into you know. There's Firefox or Chrome or Safari or whatever, you know, and then they just save everything there. I mean, it depends, it depends what we want to talk about. I mean, because, I mean, you, you can go into threat factors. I mean, is that a threat factor they're worried about? Yeah. It depends I, 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 I doubt it. It, it, it's your it's your mom and dad. I, I'm just I trying to say what's the, what what is the easiest way to do something like this? Do I purchase one of these? Because I think we all agree that the password managers are you know, a very good idea. Uh, yeah, they they should probably purchase. Yeah. Them, yeah. You know. And there's a lot of them that offer a free service. You know, you, you may want to look at that, but you know, I would, I would. It's worth the five or ten dollars right, that a password it. manager costs. Yeah, what if about, you're gonna do it, just pay for what it. What about in the enterprise? I, I'm totally for it in the enterprise too. I, th- I think it's ridiculous if you don't. I just don't mind a password one on yeah. the enterprise. BBs. Bewbs. Bewbs. Man, nobody gets that. It's like the third thing in my dictionary. <laughs> really? Yeah. Awesome. Snyers. No, it's fourth. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want another third? Yeah. Oops. Can't, yeah. <laughs> can't say the podcast. For me, it's convenient, so I'm all I'm all for it. You have convenience like third in your password yeah. dictionary. That's weird. Yeah. No Wait, convenient. let me ask you this: Do you no, use Do you use your password manager to always create a, a new password for everything? Definitely, hundred percent. Because I hate you trying to come up with a thirty-two character, yeah. you know, upper lowercase letter. What do you What do you do? Symbol. You use the same password for everything, and then you have no. the password manager. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just in case I forget. <laughs> 
Oh, no, I don't want not all of them. Log into the password manager yeah. is also the same as everything that's seen. Yeah, <laughs> but like, you, like you said, like there's some there's some accounts that I don't I don't give a shit about. You know what I'm saying? But there's others that yeah, I want a little more thought into them. So yeah, just I depends have, on what I have. A, I have one password that I've used for, or even sometimes I even do like one two three four five, whatever the fuck's gonna work for me to get this community account. To, yeah, you know, I don't give a shit. But uh, yeah, I mean, I I do a combo of it. I guess I do have some. Some accounts that are, you know, it's crazy, all of crazy stupid be, long. Yeah. 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 Well, they have another little feature that's also kind of nice to mention is sometimes you forget what your username is at a site. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you can put that in there and then you can put a little notes, you know, say, uh, by the way, don't ever log into this site on your home computer. Yeah. OnePass has that where you can actually have secure notes or whatever it is. I don't know about LastPass or anything like that. Yeah, LastPass has it too. So what Ryan was there talking about earlier about uh, uh, cost, uh, like Dashlane's free, but to get the one that syncs between devices, that will cost. Um, it's it's not too bad. But pretty sure LastPass has a free option. Um, there is a paid-for option. It's like 10 or $20 a year or something. I mean, you can... I mean, it's... it's it's very low cost for password managers, honestly. Yeah. I mean, I, you can I, I use think it's pass too, which is absolutely free. You just have to manually but sync it, manually move it around. There's, where there's an education th- gap there, you know. If you're talking about low education user, that's not the right word. Um, Somebody who doesn't need. A if lot you're of talking time. about, yeah, if you're talking about users that aren't using a computer as much, I guess I don't. I'm not sure. Anyways, where do you store your database? Your keep pass cloud base, yeah. So it's got to be on the Dropbox or Google Drive or something, you know. And then it has to be encrypted, you know, from there. So then you try and use it at your work, and your work has Google Drive blocked, and then yeah. In all honesty, it was a, it was a real bitch for me to figure out which one to use because you know, <clears throat> we use Dropbox for work, and then you know a few other places. You couldn't access it from there, and so then I had to move it from there to other places, and it's like, you know, fuck, which one's actually going to work here? Um, the biggest. Thing so what are you me. saying? We should compromise security for your convenience? convenience? That's fuck. the third yeah. word in uh, CD's dictionary. Yeah, I know, just, right? It's just implant RFIDs. And just... just giving away your passwords to CT with that convenience. <laughs> Yeah, one of the, the things I found really nice is uh, that I can open up by using my thumbprint on a phone. That's yeah. it's a convenience feature, but mine unlocks with my face. Sorry, that's right. So, so I mean, we've we've talked about these for for personal <laughs> use and for family use. I mean, what, what about I mean, what about legitimate companies like you know, if you're working at a Google or a Microsoft or or somebody that large. Is this still a viable option? I mean, should we be thinking about this? Yeah, I, I honestly think that a password manager should be used for almost anything important. Do you know how like hard it is to make sure that everybody's to get their, you know, whether it's you know password reset on ninety different you know single use appliances, you know, like on an IDS or whatever. If you don't have some kind of centralized, um, you know, like a radius or something like that to reset everything for that, a password manager for these people. To go through it, yeah, I kind of messed that one up. But. Are there attack vectors there, though? But uh, So I would caveat that as well. I would not do a shared password manager where multiple people are going to use the, the same manager to, to log into and things like that. If it was if it was used on a personal level, um, I still think that it would Absolutely. be 
it'd be advantageous for those big companies to do that. So, you know, if you have Joe Schmo user and they have SA accounts or they, they have those privileged accounts and things like that, yeah, so save those in their own personal when does it don't have like a shared. So for authentication purposes, when does it just become easier to have everything for two-factor rather than having, you know, uh, a password manager for everything? I guess that would be a scale-based question at that yeah. point. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, if you're in a large enterprise, I mean... Well, it's a little bit different. It's scale and it's convenience and really security of the data that's there. I mean, there's a lot, a lot of questions that go in place there. I, I'm still interested about this. Are there attack vectors there, though? I mean, if we're going to say... I mean, if we're going to agree here and say, yeah, you know, are. should we use password managers as a large company... Are there still ways that, that I can attack that? Because so, I'm pretty sure there are. Yeah, so I mean, people so use a personal one, you know, and, and some, you know, to use Henry's Joe Schmo, uh, you know, Joe Schmo has an SA account, and he puts it in his personal password manager. Well, of course, we have no idea or, or any control over how he has how he has his home network and can totally get popped by Zeus or something, and he's going to... He's just going to turn around and lose his sysadmin password, which could potentially give a, a vector for someone to get into the enterprise. Um, whereas, you know, if, if you had an enterprise one that was securely and solely enterprise, then, um, yeah. So let's go back to the actual... Point of failure. Let's, let's go back to... Why would you use a password manager, right? You have too many accounts, and Lazy. you don't, you don't have enough memory for the shit that you're looking at. So yeah, you know, whether whether you have those all centrally done and if there's an attack vector we're looking for, you know, if it's all done centrally and you pop that one thing and that account that he has everywhere, you know, he can log into whatever. So if you have a password manager, then you usually probably have a decentralized way of authentication, right? Otherwise you wouldn't fucking have to worry about it, right? True. So that's the kind of the attack vector that I see um, where you have two factor for stuff. I'm not looking. Whether you have you have two factor for everything. I mean, yeah, it's it's always going to be come down to like a risk based thing. Do I have the money to be able to pay for something like this, or am I just going to use a password manager in a big decentralized um, environment? I mean, what do you guys think about that? Yeah, well, can Mike drop that shit? No, I was I was. Yeah, I mean, there, there's... Oh, fuck. Yeah. The beer's settling yeah. in. <laughs> Tastes so good. Yeah. I mean, it does. <laughs> so, they're good, they're bad, they're ugly. You have to put it in context. When but we all think it? you should use them. When would you use it? You know, in an enterprise, if you use one, it's because you have a big decentralized thing going on. And a lot of socks have that, you know? They don't trust whoever to manage their fucking accounts, so they just have an account for fucking everything, you know? Yep. But yeah, I think that it's a it's a great idea for people that have that set up. I think it's a great idea for anyone personally. And, you know, it's a all you have to do is take, you know, a half hour out of your time to talk to somebody about it who doesn't understand, whether it's your parents or someone you know that you need to get educated on it. Um, it'll work regardless. So now we're gonna talk about the Pono and competition. It's a yearly competition held at CanSec West. Uh, it's sponsored by the ZDI Corporation and allows security researchers to 
basically demonstrate their skills. Um, they have a lot of the modern day operating systems, Windows, Mac, virtual machines as VMware and VirtualBox. And they exploit them for chances to win money and hardware. So this year we saw a lot of uh, back and forth and there was a lot of controversy. I mean, what do you guys think about this, uh, you know, China not allowing their comp competitors to, or researchers to uh, be in the contest? It sucks, but uh, i got to say it's not really surprising. Because um, we all know China does not do anything bad. So, but, uh, you know, a lot of these like, people that do these, this research, they hold these vulnerabilities. They, they wait until this to get money. And I can absolutely see uh, some place uh, like China having these vulnerabilities and wanting to use those vulnerabilities for their own purposes. And essentially, they're going to take these and give them away for money, which China's not. About that. I mean, pwned to own, if you take it to like an actual, you know, the concept of it is to try to get you know, researchers more into trying to find bugs into their software um, and, you know, give that fix to the company before, you know, a zero day or whatever comes out for it, right? So, it, yeah, no, it's not surprising at all to not see China allow any of their researchers or citizens actually get into and, and play in this game, right? Um, it sucks, though. I mean, it really does. It goes back to, like, you know, vone hoarding or, you know, you know, separationists of, you know, hey, we're not going to play with you guys anymore. And on a cyber world, you know, I'll take a drink for that one, but, uh, you know, in, in that mindset, you know, we're all trying to get better at this and we're all trying to get along with it and... To sh for them to just say we're not going to compete or we're not going to allow anyone to compete to it, it speaks volumes, I think. It's, it's sad, though. I mean, why, why would you take an entire country out of it, especially a country that has won this contest year over year for a long time? I mean, you're taking some very smart researchers out of, out of the industry. I don't, I don't think the people that are making that decision are really interested in that kind of thing, though. Yeah, they're, they're not. At the <laughs> same time, you know, DEF CON's having its first Chinese conference in early May. They are. Which it, is, but, I mean, how, how restrictive do you think that's going to be? Oh, super restricted. I've been censored, I can't say. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be about the same thing. I, I was actually I was later. watching uh, Dark Tangent, no. the guy that runs yeah. DEF CON. I was actually watching him on, on Twitter and he was just talking about it, it's completely crazy how how he's able to even help organize that because he, he's really not his hands are completely tied he's not able to do anything I mean taking even a laptop into the country is a little, a little well he, he's not even he's not going so he, they're running this DEFCON conference and, and he has no say they're just using the name how they're going going about it yeah I, yeah that's all they're doing they're trying to attract the people well i mean he, they have they have his buy off they they, they yeah. i mean it is definitely a sanctioned event but you know and, and i think that's awesome i think that's great they defcon needs to be everywhere defcon's great well it doesn't need to be everywhere because you know we don't need too many conferences but there, I mean, I, I think expanding DEF CON into, into areas where, where people don't get exposure to conferences is, is awesome. And But, you know, yeah, he, he really is not getting a lot of say there. 
and it's just because the country's not allowing a lot. So who is running it then? I I don't remember who the individuals are. I mean, yeah. they're they're definitely not. It's, I mean, it's not government, but it, those guys. Yeah, you know, the people are those guys. Well, I mean, between um, Pawn to Own and DefCon, I think that DefCon actually would be something better to help out the community and get people learning stuff uh, versus Pawn to Own. So if they they decide to, uh, you know, uh, boycott one of them, I'd rather see them boycott Pawn to Own. Than, than DEFCON. Two different goals, I think, on that one, right? So Pondo owns whole thing is security experienced yes. researchers trying to find vulnerabilities in this stuff, and then you know DEFCON is just teaching, right? So yeah, De- DEFCON is definitely about you know t- taking everybody from the starter noob wherever for the guys yeah. the, the, the guys competing in, in the CCDC that we were talking about earlier. To you know, experienced professionals like ourselves, and just having a, an environment that we can all hang out in. To Pwn to Own is more of a professionalized conference where uh, you know we, we go in with exploits already polished, or we go in with with research that we've already put together, and, and, and the same people win laptops and money every year. <laughs> well, I, I wouldn't say it's the same people, but it's the same group. Would you say DEFCON is more of the pen tester and Pwn to Own is more of the red team? <laughs> no, I, I think you're totally blowing both of those names out of proportion. That the scope's not there. Oh. They're both pen teamers. They're both pen teamers. <laughs> that wraps up episode two. Thank you guys for listening, and I uh, hope to see you at episode three.